Welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am freezing to death. And with me this week is Esposa de la Pastora, Dan Marcello. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Uh, is there a word for Advent? I mean, I'm sure there's a word for Advent, but what, what would you say? I think it's Advento. That's so disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Newlywed game co-champion Scott Reed. Yay. Yes. And... <laughs> Well, Christmas, no. Thanksgiving trivia champion. No, that was Bill. Oh, and Bill? Thanksgiving trivia champion. Bill. <laughs> 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 I've been thinking about that this whole week. Been like, good job, Scott. <laughs> you finally did it, buddy. I'll take credit. <laughs> I, we're changing I, history. <laughs> Take a second, one. man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Maybe we should re-record the intro. No, no. it's perfect. <laughs> Welcome to the you least know, edited one. episode of the Bloomingdale Church podcast. <laughs> Ever, um, I'm gonna. Normally, it takes me six hours to edit these bad boys. I'm setting a hard limit of two. So whatever I've got after two hours, I'm just gonna publish it. It's like the Midwest District. They said you got to write your eight-page position paper. Anything you write above eight pages, we don't really care because we're not reading it. <laughs> we should just cut this off at thirty minutes. Whatever <laughs> happens after thirty minutes, it's not getting published. Um, who's up, Bill? Will you pray for us? Yes, Lord. I thank you for this beautiful day for the joy of being here. We ask your Holy Spirit to come and pervade this whole podcast. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Scott, you have Christmas. I do. You have Christmas in your pocket. I have Christmas on the table. It's not <laughs> in my pocket. Um, all right. So because it's Christmas time, apparently there's a BuzzFeed app. Go away. Advertisement. There we go. Uh, because it is Christmas time, and that's the most wonderful time of the year, we're going to, for the next, I don't know, three podcasts, four, and a few, a few podcasts, Two? we're going to be doing Christmas Would You Rathers. And so this is the toughest game of Would You Rather Christmas edition, uh, as told by BuzzFeed. So we're just going to do one question apiece and just go around. I, I don't know how many there are, but... cool. We'll get to the bottom, and, and I think this might be one of those ones where it reveals percentages, so I'll tell you oh, nice. if you're in the majority or the minority. Mm. All right, Bill, would you rather chug a gallon of eggnog at once or sit on a mall Santa's lap for an hour? Sit on a mall Santa's <laughs> lap for an hour. The after effect isn't going to bother me. <laughs> <laughs> you make a friend, Fair too. enough. You are in the majority. Right. So here's a question that I think I know the answer to, but with milk, when you drink a gallon of milk, you throw up because yeah. milk like congeals in your stomach. Almost always. Mm. I think it's physically impossible to not throw up. I mean, there are definitely people with unusual big, enough. Big enough stomachs. Bodies, yeah. True. Unusual enough that, digestive system. that is an assumption? As in whatever article I read when I was in high school about that also stipulated that there are people who can do it. No uh, one should try that. Is that also true of eggnog? I know eggnog and milk are similar but different. Listeners, if you would like to find out if that's true. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Do your right. experiment and write in the podcast at Bloomingdale's Next, Church. would you rather... I haven't read any of these questions other than the first one. Just, okay. So we're I'm going to take aware. my coat off. I just saw Get the words serious. pain and scream in these options. That's me. So I just... You I want to preface this by saying I don't know what these say. Would you rather have it be true that Christmas trees feel pain and scream when you cut them down? <laughs> <laughs> or have it be true that Christmas cookies feel pain and scream when you eat them? Oh, definitely the trees. First of all, I, I use a fake tree because I've mm -hmm. most of my life I've been allergic to fir trees. And uh, secondly, I'm not the one cutting them down. Get a level of, of disconnect between me and the heinous crime and I'm true. fine with it. <laughs> Even if I was cutting it down, that's one tree a year versus 
untold thousands. thousands of cookies that I'm eating every True. year. <laughs> now, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty close. You were in the majority, but it was fifty three forty seven. Now I can't hear it, right? I can't. They sc- like it's it's true that they that they are already screaming. So now I just have the knowledge that they. Dan, feel would you rather <laughs> never receive another gift from anyone ever again, or be forced to give everyone? We're not asking that question. Dan, would you rather... <laughs> hold, on, okay. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I feel like you should leave that Maybe in. Maybe it's a nutso. I think that's pretty funny. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put in the bonus bits, but it's going to make... Fair enough. This is would, the least edited episode of the point. Dan, would you rather grow a permanent Santa beard? Seems like you're already on your I'm way. Or grow that. permanent reindeer antlers? Ah, the beard. Yeah, that seems like a dumb question. Um, what was the percentage on that one? Uh, <laughs> amazingly... You are in the minority. By People a want reindeer antlers. 63%. Maybe this is a primarily women. That's answer. what I'm thinking. Yeah. Would do this quiz. It's BuzzFeed Mujer. <laughs> uh, Scott, would I rather work as a mall Santa for the rest of my life or become the real Santa and have to live in the North Pole? Real Santa, obviously. <laughs> 76% of people agree with me. 76% of mujeres agree with me. <laughs> Bill, would you rather have the elf on the shelf be alive? <laughs> or have Santa actually in your bedroom watching you sleep at night. <laughs> this is the same Santa who we said. Oh my goodness, Santa's a creeper. <laughs> you said there were no after effects. <laughs> you were wrong. You made a yeah, friend. Let's, let's take a live elf on a shelf. All okay. right. You, 63% agree with you? No one wants a creepy Santa looking at him all night. Max, would you rather reach into your stocking to find a dead mouse? Or reach into your stocking to find dead mouse, the DJ. I'm just kidding. Or to find a live <laughs> mouse. Dead mouse or live mouse. Ah, that's oh. good. Dead, certainly. Ew. I mean, yeah. You're in the minority. What? Dead mouse is not going to bite you. Dead, who knows how long it's been Because then what do I do with the live mouse? A live mouse might not bite Let you. go you outside. Just, yeah, you well, just... Well, I know that eventually... Release like, it into your house. And now you have a new pet. <laughs> Dan, would you rather star in a remake of Home Alone oh. or in a remake of Elf? I would watch either of those. I've got fond memories of Home Alone going to the theater. My parents didn't know what the movie was about and took us, my sister and I, and I think my, <laughs> my mom was horrified. <laughs> <laughs> but I liked it. I go Home Alone. Home Alone. I'd much rather uh, you're Home in the minority. Uh, Elf I is guess, such a sad I guess I, movie for so It must be a younger long. audience. Yeah, it's, well, it's it's BuzzFeed. It is BuzzFeed. Uh, <laughs> would I rather spend eight hours untangling Christmas lights or be forced to have the Christmas lights on my home spell out, I'm a big idiot? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, please do the second one. I would probably go with the untangling Christmas lights. That'd be really interesting to see that here at the church. That's property. what I'm saying. I think that'd be so... People walk out of the service and they're like, oh, wow, honey, look at the lights. I'm a big <laughs> idiot. All right, we got it. Yeah, we got to get through these things. Bill, would you rather have a red light up nose like Rudolph or be trapped inside the body of a reindeer? Ooh. <laughs> but I wow, I'll take one. the nose. Bill, uh, the majority agrees with you. Um, Max, <laughs> would you rather wrap a perfectly cube-shaped gift and have the pattern on the wrapping paper line up perfectly wow. or take a bite out of a warm sugar cookie? Aww. <laughs> the the nice wrapping... I would take a picture. I would keep that forever. That was very close. 49 to 51. You're mm-hmm. in the minority. Oh. Dan, would you rather get every single thing you really want for Christmas or have your crush confess their love to you on Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have a crush outside of my wife. Well, I already know that she's confessed her love to me, so I'll take everything I want. 
<laughs> Amazing. Easy. Amazing. I don't know if I said yes to the crush, it'd be like, whoa. Like, well, hey, I'm going to get that anyway. Back off. Um, would you rather, you. oh, this is me. Would I rather unwrap a gift filled with spiders <laughs> or have Santa Claus as my roommate for five years? <laughs> are, you, are you living with Bill? Is that <laughs> um, Elf on a shelf. <laughs> that's tough. I would do not want to unwrap a gift filled with spiders. It's Santa, right? Yeah. That reminds it's me of two episodes Santa. of The Mandalorian. That seems pretty cool. Oh. Get to know Santa for I five years. I'm going to take Santa. Yeah. I'm in the vast majority. Not to mention, if he's living with you, it'll make it a lot more difficult for him to spy on Bill. So you're doing True. this all aside. Sure. I can give him a stern talking to about his spying on Bill. Or at least be like, why do you come home so late? <laughs> <laughs> Bill, would you rather have a Christmas tree decorated with just taxidermied rats or with just pictures of Guy Fieri's face? <laughs> Guy Fieri's face. He's the guy from uh, Food Network that does the I diners, could, drive-ins, I'll, and dives. I'll show you a quick picture. I'll guys. take Guy Fieri's face. <laughs> Here, here's his, here's his face. I can't believe they just compared Guy Fieri's face to taxidermy <laughs> rats. rats. <laughs> I'd be so hurt if I... What if, wow. Um, would you rather, Max... I think this might be the last one. This is the last one. All right. All right. Would you rather, Max, never hear Christmas music again or <laughs> be forced to listen to Paul McCartney's Wonderful Christmas Time 10 times every day forever? Can you read the the first one again? Never hear, never hear Christmas music again. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go with that one. Mm, you are in the majority, sixty six to thirty four. Never hear it again. Well, ten times listening ten to a song is like a day, is like an hour forever. Yeah, an hour a day forever. Yeah. Maybe you can turn it way down. You don't have to really hear it. Oh, <laughs> it's very fitting for our topic of the week. That's exactly right. Let's get to Bill's book reviews. Last bum, week, bum, bum. Bill mentioned <laughs> uh, War and Peace, and I have it on good authority that you have another Tolstoy masterpiece to rave about this week. Yes, Anna Karenina by Tolstoy. I'm only on page four. 80 and there's 820 pages. <laughs> I thought you were going to say on page four. <laughs> <laughs> so far. A little over halfway through it, but I'm loving this. The first two, two to 300 pages are just so slow. And of course, there's a million characters. You just feel like you're meeting everybody that ever lived in Russia. But there's a certain point where Alexei forgives Anna Karenina for committing adultery. Oh. And she's pregnant with the other man's child. And instead of divorcing her, he says to her, I'm going to forgive you. I want us to be together. And when he does this, the grace of God just flows into his life. And everybody sees the difference. Mm-hmm. Everybody at work, in the family, in the neighborhood. They just can't get over. He's a different man. Anna Karenina is about to die at this point in her life. She's got some sickness that nobody recovers from, essentially, 1%. So he's sitting by her bedside while she's dying, and he's sitting by the cradle of the baby that really isn't his baby, and he's tenderly taking care of the baby, and it, it just it just changes his life. So that's that's one scene in the book that made me realize, wow, this is truly a Christian book. This has got a lot to offer. Mm. Anna Karenina doesn't die. Instead, she leaves with her lover. And mm. by the time you get to page 480, they're in 
they're just coming home from a long trip to Italy, and I think, what is going to happen here? Huh. And they're not even necessarily the main characters of the of the book. There's other things happening that truly have a great deal of Christian love and grace in them. So I, I recommend this book based on the first 480 pages. And of course, it's very well written because it is Tolstoy. So that's that's what I've been enjoying lately. Yeah. Did he write it in Russian and then it all got translated into yes. English? Wow. So the cover of this book is raving about how great this translation is, that it's hmm. better than the other ones. Huh. Well, I'm, I'm not able to compare it. I really don't want to read this 800-page book over and over again with different translators. <laughs> but... I I just really love the message in the book. How long ago did you start reading it? A couple of weeks ago. Why why did you start reading this book? I had a goal of reading seventy books this year, and I'm already at sixty six. I thought, you know, I can tackle this big long one, and I'm I'll make slow it. myself down. <laughs> I'll, I'll make it. You know? Okay, because I've got other books going too that are almost done. Okay, one of them being "Don't Waste Your Life." Mm-hmm. If you read the whole Bible, you get 66 books done. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't do it that way. It, it counts as one. <laughs> so that, that's the book I've read lately that I really Ooh. like. I'll tell you a book that comes up in a sermon this week that I didn't really think was that great. It's called Forgiving What You Can't Forget huh. by Lisa Turquist. You would think, oh, this is going to be a great book. She's been cheated on by her husband. She's had an abortion. She's really had a lot to f- work through. But it's not until you get to the appendix that it's actually a good book. Hmm. So I photocopied the few pages in the appendix that I just thought were awesome. And I'm using them in the sermon this week because she's got some great, great teaching on what to do in order to really forgive and forget. Hmm. Um, So uh, you don't really need to read the first 260 pages. Just go straight (laughs) to the appendix. Why is it in the appendix? I think it's because these are her tips on how to actually do what she spent the first 260 mm. pages talking mm. about. Okay. Yeah. Let's get into Sermon Roundup. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> uh, sermon Roundup this week is brought to you by the young adults. Are you young? Are you an adult? Join the 18 <laughs> to 20-somethings on Zoom, probably, to talk about the Bible and hang out with your fellow young Period. Adults. Period. No old people allowed. <laughs> definition of old people. Anyone over 29? is a hysterical tagline. <laughs> the Young Adults. Thursday nights at 7 p.m. on Zoom, probably. <laughs> Visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash youngadults to learn more. I have no idea if that's a real link. I didn't have time to check, so we'll see where that takes our listeners. Uh, we are having services indoors. As a side note, we're having services indoors this weekend. Um, we're for, having service indoors. We're having service indoors this weekend. We're also having service out loud. Out loud. We're also having service <laughs> outside. We're also having, a, we're also having our, silent, our classic silent service. <laughs> that would be worth one week trying a silent service. Mickey yeah. did a whole silent retreat. Anyway, yeah. um, anybody want to sh- talk a little bit about having service service indoors for Advent? I'm looking forward to it. I mean, the sanctuary is (laughs) decorated. Nice. Yeah. Dan, what were you going to say? I was going to say something similar that I am excited about it too, but just from a logistics point of view, if people are interested in how is this going to work, what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. It's the 8.30 a.m. service. There's no any kind of childcare. It's just you come, 
You have to wear a mask that covers your nose and mouth and sit in the sanctuary, socially distanced from everyone, but still enjoy the service together. Mm-hmm. And then when it's over, we have to skedaddle and talk outside. Now, are ministries indoors at all? Are the young adults meeting exclusively on Zoom, or can they be in the common grounds? They can't be in the church building. Yeah, not in the church building uh-huh. at this time. No classes. I think everything is online at this point. Cool. So the only use of the church building in that capacity is for service. And staff dance parties. And of course, well, A secret right. midnight we're not staff gonna, dance party. We're not going to cancel that for anything. <laughs> <laughs> what? Huh. Instead of Sermon Roundup this week, we are huh. tackling a question. <laughs> the yeehaw. You want to take it back? <laughs> Instead of Sermon Roundup this week, we're tackling a question asked by the young adults in our study of Hosea. Uh, the question is, how can we long for something without it becoming an idol? Um, how can we, you know long for good things. Can we long for, for good things without them becoming an idol? I think that's an easy trap to fall into, or it's at least something that uh, I feel gets, gets talked about a, a good amount is, you know, if our hearts should be after God, how can we, um, how can we want things in a biblical way? My mind's going to, you, as a parent, you long for things for your children. Hmm. So Joel, my son, had about a year of college left to do if he were to get a bachelor's degree. He had an associate's in car mechanics. And he just really wasn't showing any interest in it. But the family, which goes way beyond just Nancy and I, wanted him to go to college because he has a good mind and he's the kind of person who knows something about everything. He really should go finish college. And when he saw the great party that his sister had when she graduated from college. I think Uncle Mike walking up to him just saying, Joel, you need to go to college. Mm. I I think hearing that caused him to say, he's right, I really should. So when he went back to college and did a degree completion program, that was a longing fulfilled. Mm. It it wasn't something obsessive. I sure wasn't thinking about that every day. Sure. But that was a longing fulfilled. Mm. My mind is going to a psalm that I used to go to because I was longing for a long time to be married. Hmm. I really wanted hmm. to meet someone to spend the rest of my life with, and it wasn't happening. And it kind of became a little bit of a like a fixation in my mind, which I think is what often these things can become, hmm. like things that we really long for that can begin to take more of a place than maybe they ought in our thought life and in our hearts to be like, I just really want this. I just really want this right now. Why isn't this happening to me? What am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. The things we long for can easily, our priorities can get kind of out of whack. Mm. I think that's when that leads us down a bad path and a, some trouble. And just I know that's can be the case in my life sometimes. The things I long for, I can easily fixate on when they, until they take a position they shouldn't, that I have to really be careful for and watch out for. But uh, the verse I'm thinking of to get back to that was, I can't have the exact reference, but it's from Proverbs. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when it comes, it is a tree of life. And that's something I really leaned on hmm. in my time of waiting, of trying to honor God in the waiting and not worry too much about it and try to leave it in his hands. They're like, this is something I really like, but Lord, your timing is perfect. And if you don't want it, I have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can't just keep taking it and uh, I really want this and gripping it with both hands and kind of telling God what to do. Mm-hmm. Where is sort of that line? As Dan was talking about with this sort of fixation question, where is the line when, when something starts to become an idol, when something starts to become 
you know, obsession isn't necessarily a particularly theological term. So when something becomes like sin, when something becomes an idol, you know, what are the telltale signs of that? I think maybe when it's hard for us to focus on anything else, when that that kind of starts to occupy our thoughts and a lot of our time, whether that's worry or whether it's actually doing something to make it happen ourselves, feeding it, that can kind of give us somewhat one way we can have some kind of clue into it that, hey, maybe I kind of draw across the line that I shouldn't. I also think we got to be receptive to the people that God's put in place around us that that we're honest with that mm. that they see kind of have insights into our life too and say, hey, you, mm. I see that you're really anxious about this. I don't get the sense that this is something good mm-hmm. that you're mm. just listening to the the wisdom, whatever that might be that someone is yeah. just kind of speaking into our lives and just being willing to be humble and and listen and take that advice. Mm. And that that's got to be so hard as a friend to say. I see the way that you, you know, are longing after this career thing mm-hmm. or love or to have a child or or what mm-hmm. have you and say, like, I think this is becoming more than mm-hmm. than it should be. I think we talked about that recently on the podcast, didn't we? Mm-hmm. I, remember, I don't remember how many weeks. I'm two weeks behind. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, but we talked about how having those hard conversations is important mm-hmm. and that God, that, that tough love God puts us in people's lives a lot of times to be able to, not that we're doing it for a cruel reason or to make people feel bad, but that being willing to to lean into what God is telling us to share with someone, even though it might be hard. Mm. Ultimately, it's for their good. Yeah. And as long as it's coming out of a good place from us, yeah. not wanting to hurt. Uh, let's get into topic of the week. You know, we don't have a, a yeehaw for topic of the week, but that's okay. Well, let's get into the topic of the week. Topic of the week this week is brought to you once again by the BC Learning Center. If you are trying to navigate between helping your children with e-learning, keeping peace between your children, motivating your children to stay focused on Zoom, making sure your children are not left alone at home, and getting your own work accomplished, the Bloomingdale Church Learning Center is here for you. The BCLC is equipped with two certified teachers helping children stay on track with their classroom learning while maintaining proper social distancing. The BC Learning Center, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. To learn more, visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash learning center. At the BC Learning Center, your child's schoolwork is done before they get home. Which I saw their advertisement in the Bloomingdale Almanac. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I was glad they put it in. Yeah, I didn't know we had an almanac. The world's best toilet reading... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, the BC Learning Center, the no, world's best toilet room. No, the Bloomingdale no, Almanac. The Almanac. Don't Heck, include that's that one in the newsletter that <laughs> those of us that live in Bloomingdale actually read. Yeah. Because you you want to know why are they turning the water off? When are they picking up yeah. twigs? They they yeah. have the things in there that you want to know. Sure. Yeah, it's it's helpful stuff. For time of the week this week, uh, it is officially Advent, so we've got Advent music to look forward to. Well, you do. I'll never listen to me- Christmas music again, apparently. Um, <laughs> one of the first uh, listener mail pieces we ever got was from Dave W. about what the worst uh, Christian worship song ever was. And Scott, you actually mentioned that it was a, a Toby Mac a Christmas song, yeah. Santa's Coming Back Around. Yeah. Do you have an update? On your on the question of what the worst worship song is, um, I think I remember uh, also saying that week. In addition to "Santa's Coming Back Around" by Toby Mac, which is just awful, 
Um, <laughs> Sorry, Toby. <laughs> I actually like got two weeks my behind. phone we got and time. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll play you some. I was like, oh, wait, we can't do that. Um, copyright reasons. Yeah. In case you weren't aware. But I think I also said, and I believe this is true. Um, it's obvious. It's, it's maybe sort of an evasion of the question. It's not an answer from a musical perspective, but mm-hmm. I think it's an answer from the more important perspective for worship, which is lyrics. That the worst worship song is a song that doesn't actually worship God. Yes. Of which there are many that are lauded as worship songs and sung in church. Uh, and some of them are great songs, and some of them I would use in a service, but they're not worship songs. That's exactly what I was hoping to get. <laughs> so <laughs> walk me through a little bit. I mean, if you want to use a specific example, I won't stop you. Um, I do have an example. What? Uh, and I guess I should say, you know, music is inherently um, sort of an emotional medium, and people are attached to, to various songs, and so it's worth mentioning um, as as dumb as it may seem, like if you love whatever song Scott <laughs> brings up, um, like you know, it does not make you a worse person. It does not make you an idiot. It does not make you um, does not invalidate your faith or indeed your place in God's kingdom. Uh, I don't know why I feel compelled to say that, but it's perfectly possible that whatever examples yeah. you'll bring up are songs I think that I love. It's good to qualify that Probably. for sure. So destroy some feelings here, Scott. Well, so this first song that comes to mind is. An interesting one because it's a song that I really like. Okay. And it's a song that is completely biblical in its words. Mm. Okay. And it's a song that's very popular here on the radio. Keeping us in suspension is rising. It is not a worship song. Okay. And this song is The Blessing. This came out a couple months ago, or at least it, it became very popular a couple months ago. Okay. And it's based off of the passage in, I want to say, Numbers The Lord keep you. And bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. Mm. Those are the oh, words. Yeah. Okay. And so this is a great song, and I think it can be used. This is one of those songs that I was referring to, and I said you can use. I would use it in a service. Sure. However, it's not a worship song. Mm. Why is it not a worship song? Because it's not about God. Mm. It's it's a song of blessing over other believers. Sure. Which is great and valuable, um, but I think uh, this is like a super super easy mistake to make if you're not thinking critically about what you're doing hmm. uh, and what you're singing, uh, this is a very popular song. Again, it's a very biblical song. It's easy to just throw this into a worship set. And I, I've seen churches do this. I've seen them do this many times. Like one church I've seen do this multiple times. And the problem with that is that your congregation is not thinking about music in the way that you as a worship leader hmm. are obligated and have the responsibility to think. Sure. They are singing whatever you put in front of them. And there are probably people in the congregation in the sanctuary who are not Christians or who are very new Christians. And for better and for worse, their theology of life and of what it means to be a Christian is being shaped by the songs that you give them to sing. Mm -hmm. And so if you present this song with no preamble uh, and no context, and you just throw it into a worship set, then... The, the idea of worship is going to become diluted in this person's mind. Hmm. Worship is not praising God. Worship is singing songs that have Christian themes. And that's really not true. Hmm. Um, and, and that reminds me a little bit of um, when you brought that up of the song that you wrote for, for when the guilds left, when the guilds yeah. went out to be workers, you know, that you did give a preamble. You know, the, the, the chorus is beautiful are the feet that bring good news. 
um, and that is biblical. It's based on, is it Romans or is it? There's a passage in Romans, Romans which is 10. based off of a passage in Isaiah. Right. Um, and yet, yeah, it was super necessary to sort of give that preamble to say like, this is why I'm going to sing this. This is what this means. Like, I think you're, you're absolutely right. What is the ultimate goal of, of Christian music broadly? You know, we've got worship music and I think Scott made that a really good specific, you know, it's about if if you're praising God, you are worshiping Him specifically for the person for the person that He is and and how He is described biblically. Um, for broader Christian music, does all Christian music need to be in that technical sense worship music? Um, and what is the ultimate goal of of Christian music, if if that's even you know a, a definable category? You asking Bill first? I'm asking anybody. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not leaving until Bill says oh, okay. something. <laughs> well, I, I can say something to this. Okay. In the broadest way, Christian music needs to glorify God. Yeah. And it's really helpful to me when I sing, which is pretty much every morning I'll sing a few hymns mm -hmm. or the hymn book I'm using right now sprinkles in some choruses from the 70s and the 80s. Now is my favorite time of the year to sing because I'm in the Christmas music section, which I think <laughs> Christmas and Easter, those two seasons of music just ramps up to a much higher level mm -hmm. of quality. Uh, you get Handel's Messiah for one. I mean, that's just awesome. So... Today, I remember singing, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, O Come All Ye Faithful, and Away in the Manger. Mm -hmm. I'm really impressed by the words of, O Little Town of Bethlehem. I think, mm -hmm. man, this person really knew God, knew the Bible. It turns out he was a phenomenal preacher from about 200 years ago named Phillips Brooks. Mm -hmm. So I, I get blessed singing. I, I, there are times I just get choked up while I'm singing. I, I feel like I'm really communing with God, mm. having an experience with God, being reminded of what the truths are that I really believe with all my heart. Mm. So mm. I, I love singing in church. I, mm. I look at it as, oh, you know, we could sing the whole hour as far as I'm concerned. It's just, mm. just really, really, that's where I meet God. Mm. Yeah, I agree with Bill when... He says music should Christian music should glorify God. That's a yeah, that's a foundation right there for sure, absolutely. Um and I've had a lot of experience as well where I've, you know, put on Spotify and get choked up as well. And I I love my family and I like listening to music, probably my family more than me. <laughs> They've always got music on the background and or like have it on the car and I'm like turning it down a little bit. Like, okay. <laughs> but I still enjoy I I do enjoy music. Um, I think something that's important to me personally is kind of like what I think Scott, you mentioned this and Bill as well. Like I want to worship God. I don't want to sing about myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like that's one of my kind of pet peeves about like worship songs, quote unquote of like, mm. there's one I remember from when I was a kid that was like, I like, I hate singing this. Mm. It's like, I'm desperate for you. And I was thinking, no, I'm not. Sure. Like, I'm not desperate for God right now. And I, I get that it's getting our hearts mm. in a place yeah. of worship, but I felt like I was maybe not being truthful singing songs like that. Mm. Sure. Of like talking about me, yeah. or I want to sing about God. And I, I, the older I get, the more I appreciate the hymns. Where maybe I was younger, I thought, ah, the the newer choruses are better. 
And not that I think one is better than the other, but I've come to appreciate hymns sure. more and more as I've gotten older, just because we're singing foundational doctrinal truth about who God is and praising him because of it. Mm. I, I completely agree that I think it's a lot more engaging for me because God doesn't change. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more engaging for me to sing a song that doesn't involve first person, mm-hmm. you know, pronouns like mm-hmm. um, that doesn't involve me claiming or saying things mm-hmm. that I don't necessarily feel all the time or, mm-hmm. you know, and I agree that sometimes that is a really good reminder. Mm-hmm. Like it's a good yeah, chance to be like, Oh, like I'm not in mm-hmm. that place. Um, but I just, uh, I've, I've always loved like, man, this has very little to do with me. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Um, because sometimes think, we need that reminder of like, yeah. we get so caught up in life and well, cause stuff going on and we need to be shaken up and like, Hey, it's not about us. It's about God. And that's our identity ultimately is that mm-hmm. we are defined by and held together by him. Mm-hmm. Um, before we kind of transition into a slightly into more of like a secular mm-hmm. area, does anybody want to add anything, any thoughts that you guys are having that you want to follow? They don't serve breakfast in hell. <laughs> they don't serve <laughs> breakfast in hell. <laughs> Is that a From song? the newsboys, that is, yeah. and it's also a fact. But it's, <laughs> it's just a fun fact, Bill. Fun fact. What were you going to say? Well, maybe you can help me with this. Uh, my favorite Christmas album is Mariah Carey's. Okay. The musicianship is just fabulous. It's not just her great voice. It's terrific backup singers, terrific instrumentalists, little extras that they put in there, like the ringing of bells. Uh, it's just really neat. However, while I'm listening to it, I'll think, you know, Mariah Carey's singing these great words about Mm. Jesus Christ and his coming to earth. And I think, I wonder if any of this really sank in with her. Mm, Sure. Elvis did the same thing. Everybody's ever put together Christmas songs using truly Christian Christmas songs. They're at least exposed Mm. to the gospel. I always wondered about that in the sense of watching movies. Like, does someone who plays Jesus come away change from that yeah you know what in a movie or a tv show yeah Jim Caviezel did the guy that played Jesus in the passion of Christ he became yeah. a Christian because of his experience huh. cool yes that. I knew he he was a Christian I didn't realize it was after he I made the movie I think it was I'm good sure. so I, I think about that and then I think you know there is there is a true experience of listening to somebody who's on fire for the Lord mm-hmm. singing Mm-hmm. We'll say a Christmas song that is not as good a musician as Mariah Carey, but they really move you mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit's moving through them, and now He's moving through me, the listener. Mm-hmm. And I, I really don't get that with Mariah Carey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I enjoy it greatly, but I don't find myself welling up with tears while she's mm-hmm. singing. Interesting. So I thought, just throw that out there and ask yeah. you guys. Sure. You're more sensitive, I think, to these things than I am. <laughs> what things are those? Well, just what I just stated about mm. being moved by the Spirit. Mm. Yeah, I think you hit on that right there, but that it is the Spirit at work. I agree. And the difference between someone who's singing and doesn't mean anything to them, like personally, inwardly, mm-hmm. and someone who really does. And, and it's interesting that it even can come through over a recording that might be years old. Sure. Like I can yeah. still speak through that. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, there is more of like a baked in idea of like, I know what this means, at least on some level to this, to this person. Um, and also, you know, there, 
I never, and, and I think most humans probably will never fully grasp until I go to heaven, obviously, what Jesus is coming like means means like I can't see the full breadth of the consequences, mm-hmm. uh, both positive of him coming and negative of if he hadn't, uh, or if I don't accept him, um, I can't see the entire scope of that. Um, I can only see, see parts of it. Um, and so on another level, when I hear somebody, um, who, who I know has that faith, when I hear them singing, there's an element of like, yes, this person knows just a fraction of what mm-hmm. they of what this really means, and the glory of the full picture will be revealed mm-hmm. to them. Like I know that this beautiful thing that they're singing, and I can hear their emotion in it, like that will blow up and ma- be magnified into the full truth one day. Um, and, and at the same time it will happen t- for mm-hmm. me too. And so uh, there's like mm-hmm. a, an element of, of empathy or, or, um, mutual, you know, hope in that, that I think, um, it's hard for me to feel that with like a good conscious of like, you know, with, I, I don't know anything about Mariah Carey on any level, let alone her faith. Um, but I totally agree. You know, if, if you're going to make a Christmas album, you pretty much have to put Silent Night on there. And how are you going to sing Silent Night without mm. at least thinking about mother and child? The first Noel. Uh, you, exactly. You know. And so there's like a weird level of that for me of like, oh, like I will see the full glory of God revealed. And this person like might not. And it's kind of weird for me to like emotionally engage with that and be like, oh, this is so beautiful. I'm so moved. I'm so encouraged. This person might go to hell. Mm. like that just like mm. those two just slam into each other in my mind and kind of make me not uncomfortable like oh i don't want to listen to this please turn it off but it's challenging and it's very conflicting in me mm. um which i i wish it was more convicting i wish it was more like man this person doesn't even know like i i, I need to be you know more more proactive in in evangelism right mm. um i wish that was my gut response but my gut response is much more of just oh like this is kind of this is cool and sad at the same time. My optimistic response is, I think of Mariah Carey, for instance. Hopefully someday she's reflective mm-hmm. and she maybe she's in grief. And then these songs that she's memorized yeah. mm-hmm. start coming to mind and then work their way into her spirit. Yeah, That's what you pray for. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we pray for it. Not so much Mariah Carey. I don't think to pray for Mariah Carey, honestly. <laughs> but, we'll but pray for you, you her pray next for that episode. for people you know. You know that mm-hmm. they they do know yeah. the scriptures. Mm-hmm. They went to Awana. They memorized a bunch of verses. Those verses can haunt mm-hmm. them. Yeah, yeah. That kind of pivots into this idea of of secular music. Um, you know, we've hit secular individuals singing Christian music. Um, and so to, to get all the way around to, to the other side of that, what is sort of the relationship in your minds? What is the relationship that Christians have to secular music? I don't have much of an idea of the theology of music, um, which is where you three come in. Uh, but you know, uh, I'm going to leave it that I'm going to leave it that open and that broad is what is our relationship as Christians with secular music? Well, something that comes to my mind is a conversation we had last week about entertainment mm-hmm. and, you know, 
given the fact that we're we're in this world, not to be of the world, but surrounded by all these forms of entertainment and just being careful about what we consume. Mm. Like I try to be, I mean, I pretty much just exclusively listen to Christian music, so I'm probably a really bad example. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, not consuming things with, you know, really explicit, horrible language or that are talking to, that have really dark, bad themes. Mm. And I talk about, and bad themes is a little bit broad too, of, you know, destructive themes or mm. themes that if Jesus was in the room with you, like we said last week, be able to be like, mm, I'm going to turn the sound down on that a little bit. Mm. Um, but I think something we can do on a practical level is be, be, be careful sure. about the music that we're listening to because the stuff that we listen to has a way of getting inside of us and really influencing the way we talk and the way we act. Sure. I remember when I was in college, it wasn't about music, but I had roommates that, that cursed all the time. Not that I started cursing all the time, but it would be sometimes what the first thing that came into my mind. And I wasn't really strong in the Lord at that point. Mm-hmm. And so it, it kind of, it wasn't a good situation, mm-hmm. like living situation, but like that being exposed to that all the time, it was more often than not something that was kind of the tip of my tongue when it yeah. shouldn't have been. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting. For some reason with music, we see this dichotomy presented a lot more frequently than in any other medium. Uh, you don't really hear like, well, I only, I only watch Christian movies. Mm-hmm. I don't watch those secular movies. Mm-hmm. I only read Christian books. I don't read those secular books. Yeah. Um, or even just describing them in that, in that way. We don't really describe books as, well, this is a secular book mm-hmm. uh, as we do with music or a secular film or a secular painting. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. That's um, true. And I think there's probably some good reason for that. But I think there's also probably a lot of like not as good reasons for that. Yeah. And the reason I bring that up is because when we label something as secular, there is a certain connotation that immediately comes up in mind of like worldly and like moving towards sinful. Yeah. When in reality, it just means like it's not, you know, it's not of a Christian theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like if we were to remove all secular art from our lives, mm-hmm. we would miss out on a lot, which is interesting, has all sorts of interesting implications. Um, paintings and architecture and film and books yeah. and, and all sorts of things that we can really gain a lot of and see beauty in. And um, So I guess what I'm saying is uh, music, especially music with words, is different <laughs> in some ways from like a painting or or even instrumental music, uh, not different from film or books, in that it, it does have the capability to, you know, to implant words and phrases into your mind. Sure. Uh, and that's something that like what Dan was just saying that we do need to be careful of. Um, but I think, I guess I have two sort of, they're kind of, it's one thought and then two sides to it. First side is that much of the great music was, like classically speaking, was written by Christians. Much of it was not. Mm-hmm. I guess you would identify that not then as secular music, uh, and you'd be missing out on a lot of beauty um, and and mastery and artistry if you neglected to you know if you if you put it in the secular box and pushed it aside. Yeah, the true. same is true in all sorts of artistic fields. Um, and so, if you are if you, especially if you're a musician, um, to expose yourself to more to more, um, mm-hmm. to, to broaden your, your horizon as well as to just see a greater scope of the beauty that got put into this world. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's kind of that part of like, 
uh, partaking of secular art um, to to see a grander scope. Yes, unfortunately, a scope tainted by sin, in some cases more extreme than others, but so is our Christian art tainted by our own sin, um, mm-hmm. as we see in some self-centered worship songs. Um, and then the other side of that is, this isn't what I was thinking of when I started, but it came to me as I was talking, that unfortunately, regarding music specifically, there is there has been a large... Um, Christian music as a whole has in many ways fallen behind um, the secular world in terms of like artistry and and mastery and 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 beauty and interest and and innovation, um, and so in some ways, if you want to find those things, you need to look to the secular world. Um, there are some Christian artists. Contem- I'm speaking contemporary um, that that you can find, but it's it's harder. Uh, and so the other side of this thought is, if you are a Christian artist, do what you're doing not out of derivation of what is out there, but out of inspiration of, of who God is and mm-hmm. and being the very, very best that you can be, not following the trends of this world, but doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are obviously all sorts of sociopolitical reasons that some of the great music from the 15th, 16th, 17th centuries was Christian um, because the church was the where the money was. Um, but also Bach, at least, was definitely a Christian. Um, I believe that. And and he is one of the great musical minds that is the greatest musical minds that has ever lived. Um, and so like look to to partake in secular music and secular art and enjoy the beauty that's there. And at the same time, push forward, not following the trends that they've set, but setting your own trends and, and doing, doing the best that you can. Cause I, I believe that the golden age of, of Christian art doesn't only have to be behind us. I think mm-hmm. we can get to that again mm-hmm. if we stop looking for inspiration from what the world is doing. Mm-hmm. I like that. And I'm thinking even when I lived in Mexico, a lot of the songs that we sang were just recycled worship songs from English. And I was like, I really just want to hear Mexican people compose like what God is speaking to them and sing it. Like, I don't want to sing songs. Like I don't mind singing the songs, but I would much rather hear like their heart expressed with their Mm. own words. And I, there was a few times that some people at lead worship did that. And I always went up to them and said, thank you. This is, I wish we did this more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes me think, Dan. When you were saying a few minutes ago about, you know, you have this newfound appreciation for hymns. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's common, uh, more common than I wish that it were. I have heard this not here, uh, thankfully, um, but I've heard this from from pastors and just from Christians in general. This idea that that contemporary Christian music is so shallow theologically. Um, you know, there's the mm-hmm. the Jesus as my boyfriend kind of like mm-hmm. stereotype. And there's truth in that, but here's there's ignorance in that too, um, because those hymns you'll notice were not the the lyrics were not written by the musicians; they were written by theologians mm-hmm. and pastors and thinkers. And I think if if we want to see greater theological depth, and this is so interesting that God made us this way then the pastors and the theologians and the thinkers today and the great minds of the church 
should be partnering mm-hmm. with the musicians to create things that are because I think probably what it is that the pastors, you know, are, I'm not a musician, I can't write a, a mm-hmm. song or whatever. Well, you don't need to write a song. Find a musician in your church that can do that. You write the words, um, or you work with them to write the words, or even find a, you know, find a, a you know, the person that comes to mind is, um, well, I'm totally blanking on her, mind, on her name, which is embarrassing. She works at Wheaton. Laura, Laura Schmidt. Schmidt. Laura Schmidt. Um, <laughs> Laura Schmidt, you know, a, sort of a literary-minded person to help you craft your theological knowledge into poetry and then set that to music. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so much that we can do mm-hmm. if we try. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's a good insight. That's a very good insight. Absolutely. I was thinking while you were talking about my favorite music seems to be what you and the man before you, what Chris Steinke, write. Mm. When you write a song and we sing it, you can just tell the whole church is alive. It's mm. just so exciting. You're mm. singing a song that really fits our culture and we're extra enthused because it's your song. Mm-hmm. And I think of the scriptures that say, when you gather, one person brings a psalm, one brings a scripture, one brings a hymn. And I get the impression the early church, there was no such thing as a hymn book. They mm-hmm. were just coming up with songs that they made up while they were working. Mm-hmm. They'd bring it in and they'd, mm-hmm. they'd sing it. You look at the Psalms and it speaks of having a new song. You think, yep, that's what pleases God. Mm -hmm. It's too bad we've gotten into just nationalized music that it's got to come out of Nashville. (laughs) It's got to be one of these (laughs) 10 to 20 artists. And that's what we use. Um, My final thought is, I guess it's to everyone, but especially worship leaders. Um, but yeah, really everyone, um, the onus should be on all of us. I think, think about the songs you're singing. Don't just consume them. That goes for Christian and secular. I'm thinking specifically mm-hmm. of worship songs though. Like don't just, don't just sing it cause it's on the radio. Don't just sing it cause, cause it's popular. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I kind of do this for you, but you can do it on your own too. It's, it's not too, too difficult. Um, now that Google is a thing. Compare it to scripture. If there's a line that doesn't make sense to you, find out if it's in scripture. A, a good example of this is a song that I heard, uh, and they they sing this line, your mercy triumphs over judgment. I'm like, that sounds really, really nice. Is that in scripture? Because it could totally not be and just something that someone thought sounded cool. Sure. And it is. Hmm. Um, I think it's in the James something. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but... Um, so I was like, okay, cool. That's actually a scriptural thing. I can sing that without having to worry, like, is this just like yeah. trying to make me feel good mm-hmm. about myself? Compare it to scripture. If there's something that doesn't make sense, see if that's in scripture. If it's not in scripture, think critically about it. Is it saying something that's that's ascriptural or even unscriptural? Um, and just really be critical about the words that you're singing. Mm. Because, and this is something that that kind of haunts me a little bit. When you are faced with a tough time, Unless you're Bill Calvin, probably <laughs> a scripture with you know just the just the words from scripture are not going to be what comes to mind. It's mm-hmm. probably going to be a worship song, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you want the songs that come to mind to be true and biblical, and actually something that's going to uplift you, and not just something that's going to fill you with some sort of sense of false hope or 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 self help or whatever. 
Um, so just be thinking. Think about the songs that you're singing. Mm. Mm. Um, well, we didn't even get to touch on one of the things I wanted to talk about, which was, Bill, your relationship with secular music while running. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and sort of where that comes from. Running music <laughs> is, in my case, pretty narrow. Because I want it to be fast. Sure. I don't want to be in a marathon and just start slogging along <laughs> because <laughs> some ballad comes up. Gregorian um, chants. So, so for instance, no Mariah Carey songs <coughs> for running. Not even the Christmas ones? Not even the Christmas ones. Uh, some of them are pretty I think, upbeat. <laughs> I think you could get a couple of those Christmas ones in there because they're bouncy. But it's, it's interesting <laughs> like, how like it comes down himself. to Google Dolls and... Mm. Led Zeppelin, Moody Blues, sure. Leonard Skinner, friend of runners everywhere. Leonard Skinner, <laughs> man. <laughs> Chicago, it's it's artists like that. Sure. Now, now I'm I'm speaking of all oldies but goodies because well, I'm not really. I, I don't think I could stand running to hip hop music. Um, <laughs> so, so there you have it. Perfect. <laughs> you are an oldie but a goodie. You cannot come to the young adults. Uh, listeners, but you keep if, inviting me. Except for that one time. Uh, I do keep inviting you. You keep inviting yeah. him. And you are terrific, and we love having you there. Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send your questions, would you rather, trivia quizzes, or running music suggestions to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. We are so very over time for our closing segment this week. It's finally time for bets. <laughs> um, it's been years in the making, uh, but we're going to do it. As uh, Scott pointed out, or maybe it was Dan, I don't know, it was like four hours ago uh, <laughs> when we started recording, um, uh, as soon as the in-person service this weekend ends, people have to ski-daddle, and there should be no Dan. one. I think your word was ski-daddle. No, that was Dan. I'm going to attribute it to you. <laughs> uh, uh, and they, there Sorry, will be Dan, no uh, standing okay. around and chatting in, uh, in the building um, on the way out. My question to you... 270 seconds after the end of the service, which is four and a half minutes, four and one half minutes. How many people will still be in the sanctuary <laughs> four and a half minutes after the f end of the service, which I will take as uh, bill is not. Are you giving the, the sermon benediction? I'm preaching a sermon. Um, so no, uh, There's a song that follows it, isn't there? I Whenever the last out. person stops, I gotta figure speaking. out the inside service. Whenever the last person now, stops when speaking. are you counting yourself as the one counting? I you? will be. So it so will be, be a one minimum of one. One, okay. Um, almost certainly more than that, but a minimum of one for me. Well, I was given permission to turn off the lights immediately, which are words I've been waiting to hear my entire life. So, <laughs> <laughs> what is the what is the the start of the countdown? Is it like the last word that's said? It is the moment that the last word and or official sound is carried into the okay. air. Into the air, yes. <laughs> I go back to my initial guess. All right. As always, a, a complicated bet. Bill, what did you... <laughs> don't raise your eyebrows at me. What did you bet? What did you bet? <laughs> I, I said seven. Seven. I said 13. I also said 13. And I said nine. 
Make it happen, listeners. Uh, that is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank, Thank you, Max. Scott, in the most musical way possible. Ooh, Please sing it, sing it. Take us home. I'm not going to sing it. Come what do you I'm sorry, Dan. I was Some gonna, worship I was gonna Can say, you beatbox it? <laughs> how do you beatbox I, words? Morse code. <laughs> You've been listening to the Major the heart the next shore I find myself wishing we had Scott's music on like on MP3 or something, or like on iTunes, because there's a couple of times yeah. I really wanted to sing the song that we sang after the the uh, the testimonies, mm. and I was like searching on YouTube for the lyrics. <laughs> I'm like, where well, I can't find? It. Oh, it's because Scott wrote that song. <laughs> I can't listen to it now. <laughs> Final thoughts. Keep writing music, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a large population of our user base is like two weeks behind. Which is why all of our votes came in like the last day for for president. It's <laughs> because they finally were like, oh man, oh, the polls they, are open. <laughs> they mailed them in. <laughs> they mailed them in. <laughs> ah, that is going in the bonus. <laughs> Everyone be like, that communist Dan is making mail. No, don't call me a communist. <laughs> okay. okay. How, <laughs> how, many, how many takes are we going to do? Go on. Okay. No, Makes it easier on me. You've been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. The Bloomingdale The heart the next shore. <laughs> nice. Ah, <laughs> uh, just got better Bruce, every time. <laughs> Bruce Menkfeld is like, what is what has happened to this podcast? <laughs> oh, oh man. Yeah.